that's a tricky question. Well, they're friends because the last time they were together three years ago, they made a covenant. And does anybody remember the terms of that covenant? How about you? Do you remember the terms of your covenant? Well, it had a few details. Really, it had two main details. One is that they were going to have a trade deal. So Syria and Israel, they've got a trade deal. And the other part of this deal is that the cities that Ben-Hadad's father had taken away from you, Ben-Hadad was going to return to you. That's the plan. Well, three years have gone by. And guess what? There is a major city over on the other side of the Jordan River that has not been returned. And not only has it not been returned, it's hinted at in this chapter that that city has been further fortified as a border city between Israel and Syria. So much for your covenant. The covenant that God said he should not have made with Ben-Hadad. Because God said that God wanted to bring judgment upon Ben-Hadad. That was back in chapter 20. And some things have happened in this time, haven't they? If we look at our timeline here, we can see the united monarchy with Saul and David and Solomon. And, and then we go forward and we have the divided kingdom. And Ahab, we're about right here in Ahab's reign. And can you see that clear enough? It's at the end of his reign. Ahab's there, the upper green part, right in the middle of the screen. And this is about where we're at. Now, if you follow that yellow line down the, down the screen, who is king down in Judah? Who knows? Is the font really that small? What's his name? Jehoshaphat. You're right. Can I have Jehoshaphat come on? Now, now, wait a minute. Why are you going to meet up with him? Well, you know what's going on? There's a, there's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a new covenant going on here. There's, there's a new treaty taking place here. And it's been kind of there all along because you remember that Jehoshaphat has already made a treaty with Ahab. Remember, he made affinity with Ahab. Does anybody remember what that word affinity means? Who remembers what that word means? Affinity. Nobody remembers? It means that he married his crowned prince to Ahab's daughter. And just a hint, it wasn't because she was a godly girl. In fact, she was a very wicked woman. And I think he knew that when he did it. But affinity means that it was for political reasons, diplomacy. Well, here you see them side by side. The king of Judah, the king of Israel. Now, you might wonder why I have a banner there that says Ephraim. And the reason I have that is because if you keep reading your Bible, throughout your Bible, you will find the northern kingdom is regularly referred to as Ephraim. 
And the reason is because the tribe of Ephraim was the most, basically grew to be the most powerful tribe in the northern kingdom. And so Ephraim was basically what it became known as. Actually, though, at this time, the land of Israel is known by the Syrians and Assyrians and as the land of Omri, which is the name of Ahab's father. Well, we come here. And it tells us that they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. Now, there are some fascinating things that take place before chapter 22, dealing with the nation of Assyria. So there's a difference between Syria and Assyria. At this time in history, Assyria is growing in power. Assyria is further to the east and north on the other side of Syria. And there has been some trouble with Assyria as Assyria has began to flex their muscles and has began to grow their empire and has become more and more powerful. There's a famous um, battle that took place in 553 BC with Shalmaneser III. And um, it's not recorded in our Bibles, but it's a piece of secular history that's taking place that's building up for events that are coming, which is yet another reason, perhaps, why there was this going on. What's this? Well, this is two kings, a godly king and a wicked king getting together and making plans. For it tells us that it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. Now, if we are comparing notes here with 2 Chronicles chapter 18, which is a parallel passage, so actually take that pen you have and right there next to chapter 22, right there, 2 Chronicles 18 because they're parallel. If you want the whole story, you got to go back and forth between the two chapters. Second Chronicles chapter 18 tells us that it wasn't just a meeting. Ahab threw a feast, a great feast for Jehoshaphat. I mean, it was a big, 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 big party. And the king of Israel called this feast... And here is the plan. For he said unto his servants, Know ye that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, and we be still, and take it not out of the land, out of the hand of the king of Syria? Everybody knows that Ramoth and Gilead. Gilead is that region over again on the other side of the Jordan River. They're in Gad. Actually, it's kind of right there where Gad and Manasseh meet up. Ramoth Gilead. It's ours. Shall we take it out of the hand of the king of Syria? So, he says to Jehoshaphat, Wilt thou go with me to battle to Ramoth Gilead? I am as thou art, my people as thy people, and my horses as thy horses. He's agreed to join together. I'll go with you. My people is your people. My horses as your horses. But then Jehoshaphat, apparently, almost immediately, remembers and thinks of something. 
wait a minute. Shouldn't we inquire of the Lord? Shouldn't we seek God in this situation? Now, I want to kind of say to Jehoshaphat, you should have done that first. Should have done that before you left Jerusalem. But I won't be too hard on Jehoshaphat because you know how many times I go out doing something that I haven't sought the Lord on? I imagine all of us do. And so I'm glad Jehoshaphat, at least at this point, decided, let's, let's seek the Lord. For Jehoshaphat, he says to the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Inquire at the word of the Lord. Well, that should be easy for you, Ahab, right? You've got lots of prophets. Oh. So the king of Israel, he gathered the prophets together. About 400 men. That number ring a bell for anybody? Remember, there were 400 prophets of Baal, and then there were 450 prophets of the groves. Now tell me something. Were these prophets of Jehovah? Or were these prophets of somebody else? Guess what? It doesn't say. But if we follow what's going on here, it comes across real clear that these prophets are not prophets of the Lord. These are prophets that serve as prophets for the money, for the food. You know what their job is? Elijah, you want to come here? They, they, they have a very special job for King Ahab. I'll spare you, Zachary. Their job is to tickle his ears. Not like this. No, that's not what it means. When you hear about somebody tickling someone's ears, it doesn't mean that they do this to them. It means that they tell them things they want to hear. Oh, I'm not going to tell you when you did wrong. I'm going to tell you when you do wrong that you did good. I'm going to call evil good. You know, you can go sit down. You know, kind of like um, their benefactor. Remember this? You know, I'm just going to tell you what you want to hear. Not what you should hear. Not what you need to hear. But what you want to hear I'm going to tickle your ears. And Ahab loves prophets that tickle his ears. I hope we don't. But you know the honest truth? I think we do. We just want to hear what we want to hear so often. And what we really need to hear and want to hear is the truth. And the truth is God reveals it. So, about 400 men, or prophets, gather together. Now, do I have 400? Oh, I have one here. I've got one guy here. You'll be representing 400. Can you imagine that? I mean, think about it. 400 prophets. I mean, just think about that royal palace hall. Okay, if we put 400 people in this auditorium, it'd be tight. 
this would be a tight space. We could do it, but the fire marshal probably wouldn't like us. It would be tight. 400 of these prophets come. And Ahab asks, Shall I go against them, Ramoth Gilead, to battle, or shall I forbear? Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. That's the plan. Go up, for the Lord hath delivered it into the hand of the king. Now, if you look there closely, uh, we pay attention to the word Lord in our Old Testament, don't we? And how it's written. If you know, did you notice how this is written? It's actually the Hebrew word Adonai, which means Lord is in master. It's a name that actually the prophets of Baal gave to their own god, Baal. They called him Lord. They actually called him Adonai. And it was a generic name that meant Lord or Master. And so they've said, the Lord, not real clear which Lord, but the Lord shall deliver them into the hand of the king. And guess what? About 400 of these prophets all agreed. So that means they must be right, right? <clears throat> you guys are speculative. Good for you. Jehoshaphat is too. He's kind of thinking this is strange. And so Jehoshaphat says, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? Now, did you notice how the Lord is written there? In all caps. That is the Hebrew word Jehovah. And so Jehoshaphat is asking, is there not a prophet of the Lord, of Jehovah, besides these 400 prophets that we might inquire of him? So, how about it, Ahab? Is there? There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Let not the king say so. So, the king calls for an officer. And he says to that officer, Hasten hither, Micaiah the son of Imlah. I'll get him. He's over here. Ahab wants to see you. And by the way, just so you know what you're going into here, um, they're going to go fight against Ramoth Gilead. And Ahab has called in all of his prophets, about 400 of them, and they have all spoken good to the king. And they've told him to go to Ramoth Gilead. And, and they declare good unto the king with one mouth. It's as if, as if, it's, they're, they're so agreed. It's as if there's just one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of all of them. And speak that which is good. As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. That doesn't sound very promising, does it? <laughs> well, meanwhile, well, apparently, I'm going to get him. Um, it tells us that the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, each sat on his throne having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. 
And there's one prophet, Zedekiah, the son of Chaniah. He made him horns of iron. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, With thee thou shalt put the Assyrians, shalt thou have consumed them. And guess what? Everybody agreed. All the prophets agreed. Go up to Raymond Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. It's a plan. You seem to be a bit nervous about this prophet of the Lord coming, doesn't he? He seems to get quite animated and excited about that everything's okay. Go, 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 go. Once this guy gets called. So Micaiah. Now Micaiah's got a beautiful name. Do you know what it means? Micaiah means who is like Jehovah? Question mark. Who is like Jehovah? And so he comes in. And the king says unto him, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. How many times shall I adjure thee, and thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills, as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. Did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me, but evil? Hear thou, therefore, the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing by him, on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this manner, and another said on that manner. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all of these prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. Which way went the Spirit of the Lord for me to speak to thee? Behold, thou shalt see in that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. Take Micaiah and carry him back unto Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison, and feed him with bread of affliction, and with water of affliction, until I come in peace. If thou return at all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by him. <laughs> I can't read the paper. <laughs> if thou return at all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. 
Hearken, O oh people, every one of you. Take him out of here. This is an incredible account. God had revealed to Micaiah events that had just transpired in the heavenly throne room. Did you know that the battles that we fight are not with flesh and blood? The real truth of the matter is here in this whole situation, Ben-Hadad is not the real enemy. Satan is. And the battle's not between Ben-Hadad and Israel and Judah and Assyria and later Babylon. It's between God and his adversary, the devil. But you know what? God always wins. God is always in control. And even in this situation, there's a strategy that's taking place that God allows to take place so that Ahab will go into battle and fight against the Syrians. Did you see how it started off? This conversation is, is just absolutely hilarious. He walks in. Well, well, he starts off with the messenger and he says, I'm only going to say what the Lord tells me to say. But then when he walks in and the king says to him, shall we go up against Ramoth Gilead to battle against it? Do you see his reply? Go up. He says the same thing these guys all said. But you know what? I think it was dripping in sarcasm. Dripping in sarcasm. You guys know what sarcasm is, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's what he was doing. You heard him how he said it. Go up. And everybody in the room knew that he wasn't serious. Knew he wasn't serious. He said, prosper. For the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And it's so fascinating because as soon as he finished that, the reason I know it was sarcasm is because everybody in the room knew he was just saying what the king wanted to hear. And he was crystal clear that he was saying what the king wanted to hear. Because everybody knew that the king wanted people to tickle his ears. So he's going to show up and he's going to start off tickling his ears. And Ahab knew it. Right off knew it. And that's why he says to him, he says, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? Which is really funny. Because this guy loves his ears getting tickled. But yet he wants to know what the Lord has to say. But yet he doesn't want to know. But it's, I don't know what he's going on. Sounds like me sometimes. Doesn't it? it sound like you sometimes? We want to know, but we don't want to know. We want to know, but we're just a little nervous. You know how many times I've had conversations with people, and I've shared with them what I believe the Bible teaches on a particular topic? And they're like, I don't know, Pastor. I don't think you're right. So I say, okay, that's fair. So let's study the Bible. Or how about you? You take the Bible and study this topic. You know how many times I'm told, oh, but Pastor, I don't have time. Well, you do have time. If it's that important of an issue, you do have time. You need time. But I, I understand we all can be like this. And then, did you see what he said? 
in verse 17? He says, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. Do you know what that means? Micaiah, do you know what that means? The Lord says he sees all the people as sheep that have no shepherd. He says, these have no master. What do you think that means? The people have no shepherd. Who is the shepherd of the people? Well, he's got a good answer. He said God. But God also uses other people like this king here. Ahab needs to be like a shepherd. He needs to be like a shepherd leading his people. But what's being said here is is that the people won't have a shepherd. They'll have no master. What Micaiah is saying here is that Ahab will die in the battle. Then Micaiah told about what took place in heaven and that significance and (laughs) Zedekiah, he was furious, smote him on the cheek, mocked him, ridiculed him. And it was interesting, Micaiah warned him, you'll know. You'll know that day when you enter into the inner chamber to hide yourself. You'll know what I'm saying is true when the enemies are coming and hunting you down and you're running into your closet and you're hiding in your closet, then you'll know that what I've said is true. Ahab orders him to be drug out of the gate of the city and to be thrown into the prison and he's to be fed bread of affliction and water of affliction. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but something tells me it's bread and water that none of us want to eat. Probably not even edible. No nutrition. Just something awful. And did you see what Micaiah said to Ahab as he's being drugged out? He says, if thou return at all in peace, the Lord, that is Jehovah, has not spoken by me. The Lord has not spoken by me. If you return in peace. Wow. Now this is interesting again. Going back, did you notice here how the first time that the people, the prophet spoke in verse 6, they said the Lord, Adonai Master, shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Then Zedekiah, this guy here, which is interesting because he has a Hebrew name. So he's probably not one of the false prophets that's been imported in from Zidon with Jezebel. Um, He's the one who then evokes saying, the Lord, all caps, is the one who shall push the Syrians and thou shalt consume them. So here we got these two conflicting messages from Jehovah, the Lord. Who's right? Who's right? Is Micaiah, the guy who's over in prison, right? Or is this guy right? Who's right? Well, as Micaiah is being drug away, he says, you'll know, you'll know that the Lord has spoken by me. 
because he won't return in peace. And then he ends by saying, as he's being drug out, perhaps thousands of people have assembled there in the gate and surrounding the gate. And he cries out and he says, hearken, hearken, O people, every one of you. Wake up, listen, pay attention, hear what I've said, and do something about it. Hearken, O ye people, every one of you. You see, he's not saying, look for the prophets to tickle your ears. He's saying, listen, listen to the word of the Lord. And so what happens? Verse 29. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel has a plan. I'm going to outsmart Jehovah. Now it doesn't say that. But that's what he thinks he's going to do. That's the amplified SJW version. I'm going to outsmart God. So, listen to this plan. It's brilliant. I will disguise myself and enter into the battle, but put thou on thy robes. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to put on plain clothes, and you put on the royal clothes. You put on your royal garments. I'm just going to wear plain clothes so nobody knows I may have the king. Nobody's going to know who I am. I'm just going to be with the charioteers and nobody's going to know it's me. Jehoshaphat, I'm confused. I mean, this is so obvious. What's going on here? Why would Jehoshaphat go along with it? Why would Jehoshaphat go along with it? So the king of Israel, he disguised himself and went into the battle. So you guys go on to Ramoth Gilead. Go off and fight. I'm going to tell everybody what happens. So they go. Ahab disguises himself and he goes into the battle. But the king of Syria commanded his 30 and two captains that had rule over his chariot, saying, Fight neither with small nor great, save only with the king of Israel. Now, isn't that strange? The king Ben-Hadad is only interested in Ahab. Just Ahab. Don't worry about the princes. Don't worry about anybody else, the small or the great. Just the king, King Ahab. But how are they going to find King Ahab? Because he's disguised. How are they going to find him? Well, it tells us here that the king of, of uh, Syria makes this, makes this plan. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat that they said, 
surely it is the king of Israel. Now, why do you think they said that? Because he was still wearing all of his royal garments. Just Ahab, Ahab's plan is working. Now, you all need to do something for me. You don't know what's going to happen. Really, for a moment, don't think you know what happens. Ahab's got a brilliant plan, right? He's obviously going to outsmart God, right? How often do we do that? What's going to happen? They see Jehoshaphat. And they decided, sure, there, there he is. Let's get the king of Israel. Israel's not the same as Judah. They think he's Ahab. And so they turned aside to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat, you know what he did? He cried out. Now here's where the parallel is very important. Because over in 2 Chronicles chapter 18, it tells us that the Lord then saved him. I don't know how he did. It doesn't say but the Lord saved Jehoshaphat that very moment when he cried out. And what I think is implied here in 1 Kings is that he cried out to the Lord, for then the Lord is the one who saved him. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. They gave up chasing Jehoshaphat, because they realized this isn't really the king of Israel. Well, what's going to happen? Well, it tells us here that there was a certain man who drew a bow adventure. Do you know what that means? Charlie, do you know what that means that he drew a bow adventure? Well, what it means is that he, um, he took and he put, his, he put his arrow on the string and he didn't really aim at anything. Not really anything. He just drew it back. Wasn't aiming at anything particular. He drew it at a venture. And he let it go. And that arrow just flew up. Through the sky. He aimed at a venture, meaning nothing. And do you know what it hit? Ahab. And not only did it hit Ahab, it hit him in the exact spot to get through his armor. So the guy aimed at venture and hit Ahab. Because God guided that arrow. Ahab was there in his chariot, wounded, mortally wounded. And it says that he turned to the driver of his chariot. And he said to him, Turn thine hand and carry me out of the host. 
for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king was stayed up in his chariot against the Syrians and died at even. And the blood ran out of the wound into the midst of the chariot. And there went a proclamation throughout the host about the going down of the sun, saying, Every man to his city, and every man to his own country. Just as Micaiah had prophesied. The sheep were scattered without a shepherd. For the master is dead. He's brought back to his capital city. For it tells us, so the king died and was brought to Samaria. And they buried the king in Samaria. And one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria. And the dogs licked up his blood. A fulfillment of the prophecy of judgment that Elijah had given to Ahab here within these last three years. They washed his armor according to the word of the Lord, which he spake. You see, it wasn't Elijah who spoke it. It was the Lord. And the Lord brought it to pass. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did, and the ivory house which he had made, and all the cities that he had built, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab slept with his fathers, and Ahaziah his son reigned in his stead. Ahab is dead. But what happened to Micaiah? Do any of you know? What happened to Micaiah? We, we've never seen him before. We never even heard of him until this day. He shows up as a prophet of the Lord. He delivers the word of the Lord to Ahab. Ahab doesn't like it. Ahab decrees and commands that he be put into prison and that he be fed with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I come in peace, Ahab said. Did Ahab come home in peace? So what happened to Micaiah? We don't know. I can speculate. Ahab's son was a wicked king too. And I speculate and imagine that Micaiah died in prison for speaking the truth to King Ahab. For he said, if thou return it all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. That means the Lord did speak by him. And what he had said was true. 
And the last recorded words of Micaiah are these. Hearken. Hearken, O people, every one of you. You know, those words were true in that day with Micaiah, King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat and all the people assembled. And those words are still true today. 120 years after this event, another prophet comes into view. Do you know what his name is? Micaiah. But you all know him by the short version. Micah. Micah is the short version. Like we call him Uncle Bob. His real name is Robert. Bob is short for Robert. Micah is the short form of Micaiah. And so, 120 years later, another prophet comes whose name is Micah. And do you know the very first words of Micah's prophecy? Turn with me over to Micah. Micah chapter 1, verse 2. Hear, all ye people, hearken. The last recorded words of Micaiah in 1 Kings chapter 22 are the first words of Micah, the prophet, 120 years later. And later this morning in the morning service, we're going to come back to Micah the prophet. And we're going to look at his sermon to both nations of Israel, the northern and the southern kingdom. And we're going to find out that the sermon Micaiah never got to finish. Micah finishes. And is just as relevant in Israel 120 years later as it would have been in the days of Micaiah and Ahab. In fact, the reason why it's so relative 120 years later is because the people didn't hearken. It's because the people didn't hearken that God had to send Micah. Micah, the sermon that Micah preaches, is absolutely horrific and absolutely glorious. I can't get into preaching it now, but we're, we're going to come back to this later today because it is also relevant today because there are prophecies in Micah that weren't fulfilled in the days of Micah, but have some of them been fulfilled. But there are many others that are made in this book that are yet to be fulfilled. And we too can learn from some of the warnings. So we're going to come back and we're going to pick up this account, but we're going to jump forward 120 years. And you're going to find out that as we're reading it, it's as if we didn't jump at all. It fits in so 
perfectly with Ahab. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for recording this history. Thank you for recording for us of of your faithful prophet Micaiah. Lord, may we beware of our itchy ears and truly seek to know your will. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in all areas, beginning in our own individual personal lives. Lord, may we surrender and submit to you and to your ways, to your word and to your direction that you might be glorified. We need you. We need you every hour. We need you every moment of every day. May we trust in you as we praise your holy name. Continue to be with us throughout this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.